Good morning. It's great to be with you all. If you don't know me, my name is Paul, and I have the privilege of leading the team that oversees New Life Community Church. We are going to be taking up an offering for commission today. That's a financial gift to support the work that they do. And as a way of leading into that, I would like to bring fresh encouragement to us regarding these biblical values of generosity and how that impacts what we do in practice. It's always good to keep coming back to the fundamentals. Now, no matter how you feel about Qatar, it is the World Cup starting today. I think I'm at least permitted to squeeze in one football illustration, am I not? Mixed report. I'm sorry, that's all I've got. I've got to go with it, okay? So even... Even the best teams, they keep coming back to the fundamentals. They are the base from which you build on. They are the springboard for the counter-attack or the high press. If things go wrong and the team for some reason can't execute the game plan, the fundamentals at least are still there, still in place to prevent the team from being overturned and give opportunity really for players and coaches to regroup and go again. And in a similar way, we have foundations as a church family that are absolute building blocks with Christ Jesus himself as our cornerstone, the one who holds all of this stuff together. We have foundations of grace, foundations of worship, foundations of family, foundations of mission. And today I would like to lay afresh foundations that would steer our gaze to the great privilege of partnership in the gospel. That there is a local and global mission that we are called to. And so my hope is to deposit fresh foundations of faith and generosity for the days ahead. For the mission that we are part of. We are a generous church family. But it's good to be reminded why we can be free to be just that. Generosity for the church throughout history has often been accompanied by extravagant measures. And so we're going to dive into the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit fuel our faith and refresh our hearts in these things. And we are going to do that in three ways. We're going to start by looking at some biblical principles relating to generosity and giving out of the overflow of what we have and not giving out of what we don't have. And I'm just going to unpack just something very quickly here out of that statement. The Bible is concerned, which means God is concerned, that you are good stewards of what you have been given. Whether that is your time or your energy or your talents or your finance, to lavishly give of yourself usually means there's a cost to other things in your life. For example, you could have gone out with your friends for a meal but instead you chose to be at life group with your church family. That's giving out from what you have at the cost of something else. To give out from what you don't have is to place yourself in debt. Puts you into negative figures in life. And and look, I do think that is actually something worth thinking through. If you are giving time which you don't have, energy which you don't have, finance that you don't have, even talents that you don't have. (laughs) I think giving in this kind of way can have 
a serious impact on your well-being. It can lead to stress and anxiety, worry, burnout. I think giving out of what you don't have can lead to serious mental health and physical health challenges. The stretch that we do want to feel, the challenge I think scripture presents to us is the question of priority. Are we really giving out of what we have, our time, our energy, our talents and finance into the best areas? I, um, I personally have some leadership coaching from someone who is a, a good friend and brother in Christ, and he will often challenge me about the use of my time. I could give my time to many things, but am I giving myself to the things that will be most fruitful to the church family? Generosity gives out of what you have, not what you don't have. But I think the challenge from Scripture is how we prioritize what we give. And we will look to some biblical principles to support that. And then we're going to look at how those principles are applied in the local church. And then we're going to have a look at how that's applied with our wider apostolic relationship that we have with commission. But we'll start in Psalm 24, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, let's root there. Psalm 24, verse 1. I'm going to read this uh, from the NIV translation. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. Holy Father, would you take your word, would you embed it in us, Lord God? Father, we only want to come alive in us, Lord God, that which is good for us who have chosen to live a life for you. And I pray that, Father, your word would just inspire and shape and sharpen us, Lord God, as your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Biblical principle number one, everything is the Lord's. Knowledge, confidence, and contentment, these are all kind of key contributors when it comes to areas of faith and generosity. Knowing that everything belongs to God helps my perspective when it comes to the things that I have, things that I've been given, things that I've earned, the things that I own in this life. If the bottom line is everything is God's, this helps me to be less inclined to unnecessarily hold tight to those things and be more inclined to be open for those things to be used for noble purposes. Why? Because I know ultimately that none of these things are mine. And probably more helpfully to be understood as gifts from God. Maybe even as talents entrusted to me. That God might see what you would do with those talents. 
1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Biblical principle number two is God is a good gift giver. Now, I'm not one who might be counted as rich in the UK in terms of material wealth. But the principle, I mean, I literally have one pair of shoes. It's the only pair of shoes I, I have, okay? But I am sporting them a little bit more regularly now that I've hit this middle age. That's what I'm, just, I'm just saying. There's a time now for shoes and less for trainers, it would seem. <clears throat> Knowing that God is a great provider helps me to understand that God is not in the business of leaving me or you without. He is a good gift giver. Those gifts for each may look different, but it's the freedom that it affords me to view all that I have through a different lens. If you know and have confidence in what you have learned of God, this will fuel your faith even further. For example, Joe and I have worked very hard I was just literally discussing with John to purchase our own car. Okay, we, per- we had to purchase a new car because our other car was when, well, it wasn't behaving very well, should we say that? So we've worked hard to purchase the car, but we also realized that that car is a great gift from God since everything belongs to the Lord. Family, work, shelter, food, friendship, time, talent, all of these I count as gifts from God. Therefore, the question becomes, how can I use... Those things, how can I use this car that I've been given for noble purposes? If for some reason God calls me to do something radical with my car, I know I can be free to be faithful because I have confidence in the faithfulness of God, in his word and as provider, not only as provider, but a provider of good gifts. I know this because I've been given many good gifts throughout my life to be thankful for. Now, if I know that the earth is the Lord's and I have confidence that he provides, that he is a good gift, good gift giver, I am then furthered in my contentment. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Biblical principle number three, knowing confidence and contentment lead to a greater freedom. Knowing that Christ calls me to pursue treasures that are not of this world and having confidence that Christ is both my hope now and beyond this life and having the contentment of relationship with the creator God who provides and is my helper I know that I have a greater freedom to be lavish with the gifts that I have been given and to exercise a greater measure of faith with the talents I have been entrusted with. There are some powerful examples of lavish generosity that we have recorded for us in the scriptures. 
In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells a parable of a Samaritan who really crosses these boundaries of cultural tensions to provide care. Care for someone who had been robbed, beaten, and left for dead on the roadside. Through love and intention to care for his neighbor, the Samaritan steps in where no one else would. He not only cares for the man at the roadside, but goes way beyond by paying for his medical treatment and rehabilitation. Love moves him toward extraordinary measures of care. In Mark 14, we have the woman who brings and breaks this jar of costly perfume to anoint the head and feet of Jesus. The jar of perfume would have been a year's worth of wages. This was a pure, costly act of devotion, an extravagant measure of generosity with a heart attitude of worship. She gave out what she had. She knew Jesus, was confident in Jesus, and was content that Jesus was all that she needed. And of course, the greatest examples that we have been given of lavish generosity is the one we have received from God himself. But just remind ourselves that powerful verse in John 3, 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Just on the side, if anyone who might be exploring what Christianity is about, it is about this extraordinary move of God, motivated by the love of God for you and I, in which he sends his very best to give his life sacrificially, so that whoever believes in him are not condemned. All those things in your past and your present, those things that have brought offense to God, no longer counted against you. Great love goes through extraordinary measures. It sends, it gives the best of what you have for the sake of others. And the scripture calls us, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, as written in Ephesians 5, 1 to, 12, 1 to 2, it calls us to imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Holy Spirit, would you afresh, refresh us again, that we would be hungry to increase our knowing of God through the scriptures, our confidence of God because of who he is and our contentment of God because of how he operates. And may we increase our imitation of God that we may be more like him. In your son's precious name, amen. So, okay, how does this work? How does this stuff work in the local church? God has provided throughout history, in numerous miraculous ways. When God led the people out of Egypt, when he freed them from a bondage of slavery, he provided for them daily manna, daily food for 40 years. 40 years of daily provision. It was this incredible, incredible, miraculous way of providing for God's people. 
when Nehemiah was stirred by God to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, God moved the heart of King Artaxerxes. He was a king of a foreign empire that had absorbed Israel and Judah into its territory. Not only did he grant Nehemiah's request to rebuild the city, but in addition, the king granted Nehemiah's request for materials. God used a secular empire to resource this building project for God's people. God provides in miraculous ways, but the primary source of that miraculous provision is through his people. God provides through his people. In Exodus 35, God moves the heart of his people in response to the request of Moses. And his mighty outpouring of an offering is provided to resource the building of the temple. When we get to the early church in the New Testament, in the first few chapters of Acts, we see a family united in heart and soul. And it says in Acts 4.32 that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They had everything in common. Extravagant measures of generosity are recorded. These acts of worship, the people of God giving out of what they had so that the church was well-resourced for its mission to serve the lost with the gospel and to care for those in need. 85% of our income last year was through the local church. God's primary provision is through his people. God moving through hearts to resource the vision we carry together as God's family. To see many lives transformed by Jesus. To be a local church that pioneers and establishes new communities of believers. And to provide love and support for those who struggle with life's challenges. This is God through you providing our staffing, our premises, our our works of service, our equipment. This church family runs on the Holy Spirit-fueled people of God, giving out of what they have in their time, their energy, their talent, and their finance. We couldn't do what we do this morning today without people giving out of what they had. Thank God for his faithfulness, because it's all his, but thank you for yours as well. We are really on a mission together across rural communities, and that mission field is increasing. With Verwoods potentially being added and Downton gradually being established, God is increasing our vision for rural communities, and I believe increasing the presence of his church as one banner, like a city on a hill, with a greater visibility that we may shine brighter for him. Now, On a side note, and and again, at this point, and it's very practical, but small thing that has a huge impact. As we said, God provides through different means. And if you give into this church family and you are a UK taxpayer, we are eligible to claim an additional 25p for every pound you give to the church. This is called gift aid. And it's part of the government's support to charitable organizations and a means of additional blessings to resource the church. So may I encourage you, if you haven't filled in a gift aid form and you are a UK taxpayer, if you're not, don't, don't sign gift aid, please take time at the end to fill in a form at the back. And they can be found at the finance table. One heart, one soul, everything is the Lord's. Nothing really is our own on a mission together. God is the provider of all our needs, our sure and steadfast hope, the reason we can be confident He is the reason that we can be content. Amen?
Let's look at a little wider then than the local church and share why relationship with commission is important to us as an eldership team and therefore as a church family. As an eldership team, we aspire to be faithful to the New Testament pattern of church government and the relationship that we see practiced. In Ephesians 4, we read of the ascended Jesus giving gifts of people to the local church. It says in chapter 4 from verse 11 onwards, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Each of these people groups have a role and function. And if we look to the New Testament, we gain an understanding of how they are to be put in practice. For example, the first apostles were those called and commissioned by Jesus to be witnesses of Jesus to Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They were to make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything Jesus had taught. So their commission was to reach out to the ends of the earth as witnesses and teach others to do the same. In a nutshell, that is the apostolic mandate, to be concerned with going to the ends of the earth and helping others to do the same. It's a missional mandate. Now, of course, when we look at the book of Acts and the letters to the churches, we see these apostolic figures practicing a deep level of care to the local church, serving serving them both pastorally and theologically. But at the heart is this mandate to help the church get their heads up and look beyond their communities towards the ends of the earth. This is the relationship that we as an eldership team highly value, this apostolic relationship that helps us keep accountable to God, help us keep him being accountable to God by keeping our heads up and not just looking to our communities, but to beyond our communities to what God is doing. We also invite that type of apostolic care that helps us to, that helps to serve us pastorally and theologically as a team and as a church family. So for many of you who have met Andrew Lawrence, he's part of that apostolic team who helps oversee this church family. And in being part of commission and really following the apostolic figure that we see in Guy Miller, we genuinely have the joy of being part of a much bigger family, a family that plays its part in that commission to the ends of the earth. And one of the best capture moments of this adventure that we have together with Commission is when we all gather over the August bank holiday weekend. What's that I hear? Camping. I love it. (laughs) Commission Festival next year. It's going to be excellent for all sorts of reasons. But one of the reasons that I love most is seeing brothers and sisters in Christ from many nations gathering together to worship and to be caught up in mission. Especially here, in these moments, and those weekend moments, our heads go up. And we have the privilege of being reminded of something of God's heart for the world. So, if you haven't booked in yet, let me encourage you to do so. I do believe over 2,000 people are booked in so far. And that's quite early days. So, the the commission team, they're encouraged. And they're in great faith for 4,000 to be gathered there. At uh, Shepton Mallet, isn't it? Yeah, Shepton Mallet, where Soul Survivor used to be. And it's going to be Mike Pilavarchi as well. Ah, there you go. If you've got a reason to be there, Mike Pilavarchi, the one who wants to convert you to be an Anglican. Okay. <clears throat> In the scriptures, we see the Apostle Paul 
He's writing to the church in Corinth and he's sharing about this collection of churches in Macedonia. When I think of the Macedonian churches, I think of us in this, in this collection, this pool. These small group of guys who've responded to an apostolic call to bring relief to the saints in Jerusalem. And I want to read to you what Paul says about these church families from 2 Corinthians 8. <clears throat> I was literally in 1 Corinthians 8 then. I was thinking, food sacrificed to idols. That's not right. <clears throat> Here we go. We want, to know, want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the will of God to us. And we want to be doing similar. We give ourselves first and foremost to the will of God and we have given ourselves to this wider relationship in commission as well. And we want to be faithful in that act of grace. We have been called to play our part in serving this wider mission to the ends of the earth, to bring relief and aid to the saints, to support this family relationship we value with commission. We spent a couple of weeks ago, I think, a commission prayer, praying over the UK and over the nations. Guy and the commission team have a heart to see a thousand churches established across the UK. It's the same as uh, Vino, the other apostolic figure for commission, has the same vision for India. So we have church families that we are partnering with in India and Spain, Portugal, Ghana, Serbia, and the Philippines. Recent church, I just, I loved it. You know, hearing this, this is the stuff that is actually happening. It's not conceptual. This is on the ground stuff. A new city site in, in Bristol City Church. A church established recently, uh, we heard from, for many of us, Eustace was just up the road in Salisbury Grace Church. A man who had fled from Ghana and enlisted, enlisted in the army to flee from Ghana and then felt God called him back to Ghana. And now he leads a church there, established a church in Ghana in Takaradi Sekondi. Church established in Swindon called Trinity Life Church, Walthamstow in London. Citygate Church have extended their site to Southbourne. There's a new church been established in Leicester. Following areas they're praying into and want to press out into. So in Portugal, there's the whole south of Portugal to go into. 
London, additional workers. They've got a heart for the centre of the city. Italy. Yes, we're, we're Italy. Honestly, they're praying into Italy. There's some church presence there, but I think they have a great heart to press and get something established in Italy. And then from the, the grandness of Italy into Reading. In Plymouth. <laughs> hey, if you want to go church planting, get involved. Italy sounds great. Reading sounds great as well. Plymouth, Gosport, Cornwall. Who likes holiday in Cornwall? Now you could be permanently in Cornwall. <laughs> I, I love that this stuff is being tangibly worked out. And this, this stuff on the ground needs to be resourced. It doesn't happen on its own. But God provides miraculously. And he does through so many means, but he does primarily through his people. We give as a church family monthly to commission, like a tithe offering to support what, is God, what God is doing. But in addition, uh, we also take an annual offering. We've always done that, usually in response to our time together at Commission Festival. But of course, COVID has prevented us from doing that. But God... COVID might prevent us from meeting together once a year at our bank holiday weekend, but of course, the financial need is still there. Commission need 250000 to support all they need to do across 2023. They have raised 50000 so far, but we are amongst the group of churches across the nations who are now simultaneously coming together and seeking God to contribute towards this. God provides to his people. He provides to his local church. And he provides to its global mission. May God stir our hearts. And my hope is that as we give out of what we have, God will move our hearts and stir our hearts for a Macedonian effort. My hope is that, we're, you know, God takes that. I love that parable of the 5,000, you know. In fact, we just literally spoke about it the other night. Remember, it just stirred my heart and kicked again, you know. Jesus says, what do we have to feed these people? And the disciples come and they bring, they gather and collect and bring a little offering, don't they? They bring something little and God takes it and he multiplies it in order that it may bless thousands. My hope is that we gather together and we give out of what we have, which in in comparison to everything else may seem like a small amount, but my hope is that God takes it, he blesses it, and he multiplies it then it may impact thousands. Everything is the Lord's. God is a good, good, good gift giver. Knowing him, our confidence in him, and our contentment in him leads us to a greater freedom. Let's give out of what we have, not of what we don't have, but let the scriptures stretch us in the way that we prioritize. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to invite the worship team to come and, come and lead us in worship. Heavenly Father, I just want to ask now, Lord God, in this moment, Father, we don't want to rush quickly here. I just want to take the moment for your Holy Spirit to stir our hearts. Many of us would have been praying in advance for this Sunday. I pray even now, Father, would you stir our hearts that we may faithfully give out of what we have, not what we don't have.
But Lord God, you would call us in the right way to be stretched. That Lord, we, we may have the joy of this partnership in the gospel of reaching to the ends of the earth. And I thank you, Father, for Guy and his team. And I pray, you know, even in the midst of what we may bring, Lord God, would you meet their, their heart and, uh, and their hope? Lord God, would you provide all that they need? Thank you for your marvelous provision here in this local church. Thank you for your wonderful provision for us. Lord God, we're so grateful for what you've enabled us to do and what you're continuing to enable us to do as a church family together. So, Father, we just uh, we thank you through your grace. And would you stir us afresh again for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together? I just want to uh, share very practically